0: Hey guys, this is Dave with Dynasty Dorks. We're a season-long podcast. We're going to talk Dynasty football and fantasy football. Anything NFL, anything football, we're going to be here. No offseason. And uh, thanks for following. Happy Sunday, everybody. We got no football. No matter what, what team you cheer for, Sundays are not the same without football. And we are going to be here every Sunday, trying to give you a little bit of football talk. Um, we would love to hear your suggestions for things that you guys would like to talk about. Um, the The schedule this month is going to be rankings, um, rookie rankings. And then after that, we're probably going to talk about rankings again, because rankings will change after landing spots and draft capital hits the formula. So. We got some two great guys on, on today. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to come on. Come on. Um, let's start with you, Mike.
1: Dave, thanks for having me on, first of all. And I would also like to say that, yeah, rankings are absolutely allowed to change after landing spots. A lot of people are like, oh, you can't change and you have to keep it where you were. That is false because things change with the draft. My name is Michael Bauer. I'm the host of the Dynasty Rewind. You can find me at Rewind CEO, Doing a lot of great stuff. Check out our YouTube. Check out our Patreon you know what we got you covered all dynasty all the time no redraft uh we're not the guys for that so just dynasty Thanks for coming you. on absolutely thank you for having me
2: herms oh geez well hi my name is herms like he said it's it's also right there on the bottom of the screen see i gotta get better at the pointing thing i'll get i'll get the hang of that someday but hey yo i'm herms i do stuff with uh my website, uh, YouTube channel, Spotify, podcast thing, The Lateral. You can find that at The Lateral FF, or you can find it on our website, www.thelateralff.com. I also have a YouTube show, In Herm's Terms, with 14 Personnel. You can find them at 14p underscore pod on Twitter, or you can find their website, www.14personnel.com. That is the numbers, 14personnel.com. If you can figure out how to spell personnel without, you know the help of technology. Good for you, because I can't. And I also appear with the Rum Boys on the Rum Boys Fantasy Sports Network. If you don't know where to find them, then you're goofing up. You already know what it's like with the Rum Boys. Rum Boys After Dark, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Dude, I got a lot of fun stuff that I like to do. I primarily do redraft fantasy, but like, oh, I'm a really big baseball nerd, and I like baseball prospects, and like, you know, doing all that kind of digging and studying, so it's like, you know, doing this type of stuff, same way with football. I like just looking into the prospects and just, you know, trying to figure out who's going to be good, who's going to be not good, and just, you know, project forward. Like, ah, this is one of my favorite parts of fantasy. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, this is going to be great. I
0: was on the Fantasy Coaches podcast, and we did, a, a you know, just the same thing, going down the rankings. And it's fun to see how people differ um, as well as see how, you know, the same, you know, the same thought process, and uh, and Herms. By the way, you you got a great radio voice, so I, I don't know if you've done some uh, broadcasts or anything like that, but uh, you definitely <laughs> look into that. So well, um, we're gonna go straight into it because we want to keep, you know, want to keep on on a tight schedule. Najee Harris, uh, he's the number one for everybody across the board. If anyone wants to go first, uh, we all had him at number one.
1: Herms, you want to kick this one off? Started with the one one.
2: Sure. I mean, oh my god, dude. When I look at Najee Harris, I mean, so a lot of people like to say Derrick Henry 2.0, but I kind of feel like that's a little lazy. Like I think, okay, maybe not lazy, but I would at least say disingenuous because one of the greater things he has going for him is like he is a very adept pass catcher. You know, like we'd like to talk about him as like this large, imposing physical force at like 6'2", 230 just barreling through people. Yes, he can do that. Mm-hmm. But like, he has hands, and it actually plays at the next level really well because there are a lot of these running backs that are just capable receivers, whereas Najee Harris is just a good receiver. And, you know, his athleticism overall and the acrobatic things that he can do, like, it they're absolutely incredible, and it's even punctuated when we consider how large he is, like I alluded to before. And, I mean, like, just the way he can kick it into second gear and the contact balance that he has – and shout-out my man Angelo Fantasy – you know, you got to check out his rookie profiles on his website. Uh, the slalom technique, you know what I mean? Like, man, he's got that on point. Like, Najee Harris, you know, like I said, I see a lot of people being like, oh, Derrick Henry 2.0, but it's like, nah, man, he can do more than just that type of stuff. He is really like, I don't know, he's like a six two two thirty ballerina out there doing just like crazy stuff all the time. It's absolutely marvelous. Mike?
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said, and unlike Derrick Henry – Najee Harris is an asset in the passing game, but not really. I I don't want to say that Derrick Henry is a liability, but he's not a guy that you're going to think about being a pass catcher. He just does everything so well. He plows people over, but he could jump over people. I mean, the contact balance for me is the one that really, really puts him above anybody else on this list. He's going to take a hit, and he's just going to shove forward and keep moving. One thing that I always look for in a running back when I'm scouting running backs is – Do his feet always keep moving when he gets hit? And Najee's do. That's what they taught us in football when I played many, many years ago. Stop his feet. If your feet stop, you're not moving. So for a running back to constantly be pumping, that's what I look for. And a lot of people are concerned about his age. He's going to be 23, I believe, when he gets drafted. Mm -hmm. In the Dynasty League, are you really planning on having a running back on your roster for 10 years? No, it's one contract, and then you're getting rid of him anyway. So don't worry about the age. The age is a factor in five or six years. Sometimes you do have to play for now, terms You know, you said you're a redraft guy. Sometimes you got to win it right now. And at some point, your dynasty league turns into a redraft league. Essentially, you're selling off future aspects for for now players anyway. So don't worry about the age. Don't worry about anything else. He's not landing spot dependent either. Anywhere he goes, he's in my opinion the running back one of this class. Yeah,
0: because in. You know, when you talk about players, a lot of times everyone wants to jump on you because if you like a guy, it means you hate everybody else. And in this in this the situation is, you know, you could easily have a one A, one B situation with him and ETN. And again, we talked about how landing spots can can improve as well as draft capital, can improve somebody's stock. Um, I wouldn't I'd say don't don't overjudge the landing spot and overcalculate like kind of you know, like we did last year with Clyde Edwards alaire Um, We've done that with other players like Rashad Penny and, and, you know, other people where you just, you you think, oh, that's a good landing spot. So I'm going to make him my number one over guys like, you know, Nick Chubb, who's far more talented. And in in this, in this situation, what puts him at my number one and why he's above ETN is exactly what Mike said. He's not landing spot dependent. I think you can put him in every single offense and he'll be fine. And Travis ETN, I think he'll be fine in almost every offense, but I think he'll excel more when it comes to some of those outside scheme offenses, you know, put him somewhere where he can get out in space, get on the edges. And he's just not the in-between tackle, in-between the tackle runner that Najee Harris is. So we talked about Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne was actually our number one, our number two running back across the board. I had him at two. Herms had him at two. Mike had him at three so mike you were the lowest on him so because you're standing out here i'm gonna ask you to go first
1: well according to twitter that means i hate him right exactly (laughs) so i like travis Etienne. it's not that i don't like him there are just some aspects to his game that i don't like that i think could keep him off the field his vision is good but not elite um there are times where for his size he obviously he's a track star So when he gets out into the open field, he's going to be very hard to catch and he's going to be very hard to bring down from behind. That being said, for the most part, the guys he's going to be playing against in the NFL, for the most part, are going to be faster than what he played against in the ACC. Obviously Clemson always playing top tier uh, opponents in the playoffs and whatnot, but I digress. Um, his receiving work has been improved upon. I actually had Travis Etienne lower at one point until I watched more film, by the way. Um, people called me crazy, but that's okay. Own your mistakes, own your failures, and just learn from it and move on. The vision's not the best. His hands are getting better, and I think he really did himself a disservice when he said, I don't like catching the ball. I think you guys remember that. That was either yeah. before or last year or before 19. Yeah. But he learned from that, and he moved on as well. So I comp him more to like a Reggie Bush where I think his skill set translates to that a little bit in the NFL. So for me, he's going to be a little landing spot dependent. But if he went somewhere like Atlanta would be a fantastic spot, Arizona, something like that, I think would be two spots right there that he'd be really good. So it's not that I don't like Travis Etienne. I just like the guy that I had it to a little bit more. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil that. And bit. he'll be our next guy. He will be our next guy. So there you go.
2: Arms, let's talk about Travis Etienne. Ah oh, man, you know, shout out to, mm, I, I really like that little teaser you got there. Like, oh, oh we got something coming. Oh, that, that was professional right there. Got to, got, to, got to shout out the professionalism when it comes up. Etn, yeah, I mean, it's, my biggest issue with him probably is the fact that he tries to do the, you know, cause, so, taking it to baseball very quickly. You know, those big home run hitters or whatever, they'll just violently swing and like, hey, if they miss, they miss. It is what it is. I kind of see a little bit of that home run hitter in him, you know, because he has, you know, the speed and the power. It's just like, you know, well, speed power. That's a term I came up with just now. Like when he knocks it out of the park, boom, he's gone. If he can do that, he's gone. But sometimes he runs without true intent, I think, and tries to home run his way through people when that's really not exactly the thing to do, which is what is going to be the thing that will take him off the field sometimes, like you alluded to. So, I mean, he's still my number two guy. Because, you know, he is not like a super polished receiver, but he is a capable receiver. And with that home run speed and his ability to do stuff in like, you know, screen situations, like I think he would really excel in those areas. Like I look at a PPR guy that I would be super, super excited about. But landing spot is going to have a lot to do with that, obviously. And, you know, I just... uh. It it scares me whenever he just runs direct into contact because I'm just like, dude, like you can't, like you don't have the ability to do what you think you're about to do, (laughs) and like I don't know, but I I I still love love the player and I think he's absolutely fantastic. So I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about him that hasn't already been said.
0: And Mike, Mike,
1: Mike, go ahead, Mike. About Travis Etienne, and this is my same concern with Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. How can these guys handle a full grind? And by that I mean playing every every quarter of every game and how can they handle losing? So, you know, they're coming out of high school where they were probably in a successful high school program. They went to Clemson where Trevor Lawrence lost one game as a starter and ETN didn't do a lot of losing either. So do they have that mental, cap- you know, mental capability to handle losing? Do they have the ability to grind for now 17 games, four quarters a game? So it's a question that I have, you know, this is kind of unprecedented. Like, do they have that makeup to... Be a full time grinder, and I'm. It's, and I'm not saying that I'm doubting their talent, but you know, this is like I said, it's unprecedented that we have to ask a question like that because their college program is so good.
0: Yeah, and I, I think a lot of SEC folks would, would point to their calendar and say you don't really play anybody, you know, anybody too strong until you make it to the playoffs. So with <laughs> Etn, he's a he's a tackle breaking machine. I know that we it to earlier. He he sometimes does run into contact. But 7, 2, 7.2 yards career, career carry is pretty good. He's not going to have that uh, in the NFL, obviously. But you want to have someone that's going to be having over four in, you know, in college football or over five. And he's over seven. Um, we There doesn't even talk about his ability to um, to explode in, in the passing game, the receiving game, the bubble screens, those kind of things. Um, with him coming in at 215, he's 5'10", 215. I think that helped him. I think people were expecting him to be more in the 205-200 range, Um, and he still was able to run a 445, which I do think helps his stock and gives people a little bit more confidence um, in Travis Etienne. So to go with our next guy, we'll talk about him. Uh, We'll let Mike go first again. Um, I have Javante Williams as my third. Herms has him at four. Mike, you got him at two. Let's tell us why.
1: Yeah, I like his patience a lot. Um he's he's a good tackle breaker with a guy, another guy again that has great contact balance and I like his lateral ability and agility better than Travis Etienne that's why I had him higher. Um you know to me I I think he projects as a three down back a little bit better than Travis Etienne does. He's a guy that might have a safer floor but a lower ceiling than Travis Etienne and that's okay. It's okay to have a nice, safe floor sometimes, too, where you can plug a guy in and go, he's getting me this every week, and I can build the rest of my team around him. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But again, uh, you know, the pass catchings there, even though he only caught 50 passes for 539 yards, he has the capability to do it. And it's more than just screens. I did see him run a few routes here and there. He is not elite as a receiver or it doesn't have elite speed however his pass protection he excels at that as well and people always ask me why do you care about pass protection when you do those little things like protecting the passer and not getting your elite quarterback killed that keeps you on the field when you're on the field you have more opportunity to get fantasy points see and that's why i also i really like tight ends that can block it's it's good it keeps you on the field so I kind of think outside the box a little bit, you know, I'm not a guy that just regurgitates Twitter narratives. If you listen to my show, you'll find that I think for myself and I get a lot of crap for it and that's fine too. I got thick skin. I can take it. Yeah.
0: Out. You guys uh, make sure you give him some crap. If you do thinks, you know, and if you guys agree,
1: bring it, I'm fine. <laughs>
0: agree, please do the same thing. You know, everyone wants to go in and uh, pop off when they disagree with something, if you agree with something, you know, give somebody props as well. Herms, you got, you got him the lowest. Why do you, why do you hate Javante Williams? All right. Well,
2: here comes hot take mode. No, uh, (laughs) it's, it's one of those things where he reminds me a lot of like, if peak LaShawn McCoy, instead of being like super smooth all the time was just like really pissed off and angry and was just like, like running at people all the time. Cause like he has that prototypical size. He has all that to him, but he's just, he's a violent runner a violent run and he could do a lot of the things that you'd really want somebody like him to be able to do. The thing that really puzzles me is now again, it's pure conjecture. I have no idea, but like the fact that like he has always shared that North Carolina backfield with somebody else is just like, well, is that because it's one of two or three things really is like, is it a negative against him does that just mean Michael Carter is really good or is it a combination of those two things, you know? So, and it's a relatively small sample size we're working with in terms of Javante Williams, just absolute dominance. So while I do think the guy, like he has the size, he has, you know, all the skills that you want, but some things just feel a little too good to be true sometimes. So it's like, there's a small part of me in the back of my head that's just like, oh, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't feel right. But, you know, and if I'm wrong, I'm okay being wrong putting him as my number four. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, if that's all the more incorrect I'm going to be, I can live with that, because I still think very highly of him. It's just one of those things where there's a guy that I like a little bit more, also because, you know, like, I'm a PPR guy, so I really like the PPR guy. So, the guy I have ahead of him, you know, I think it's a fairly reasonable stance to have but we'll get to that so yeah i mean you know it's just those yeah. those are my thoughts
0: no so um and, and some of this could be scheme you know like the, there's guys out there that are capable you know three down backs and it's just the scheme they're in the coaches just that they they think that you know even like everybody could argue that Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara should get more carries but the scheme and they those guys are pretty successful with what they're asked to do and part of that is because they're saved a lot, you know. Um, with him, the, the reason I'm a little like I'm not as high on, as some people are on Javante Williams. Everyone talks about him as this bruising, powerful back, and you think he's the size of Derrick Henry, and he's not, you know, he's not. He is 5'9, 212, and then you see okay, five, nine, two, twelve, he's probably pretty fast. Well, he ran a four-five-five, 5. 5. not slow, but if you're gonna compare him to Nick Chubb he's not Nick Chubb. He's not as big or as fast as Nick Chubb. And he's not, he doesn't really match a lot of the comparisons he's given. He's either a big bruiser like Marion Barber, or you're comparing him to someone like, you know, Nick Chubb, where again, I just don't see, I don't see that when I see him run. Um, And I think we talked about him having a safe floor. He doesn't have the upside as ETN and Harris. Again, I don't hate him. He's my number three. And I I feel like he's going to be a good player. And I feel like the, there is a teardrop to the next, the next guys, and that could launch him into the first round. When you talk about those RB needy teams, I really don't, you know, I don't subscribe to the whole draft a running back in the first round thing. I know as fantasy analysts, we all want to see all these fantasy players go in the first round. And it's not always how it goes. And day two and day three are gold mines. And great landing spots, and it usually works. You know, there's plenty of running backs: Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Dalvin Cook. A lot of these second-round running backs, you know, they they explode and they get better landing spots because they're not going to these, you know, teams that have no offensive line and no quarterback. So again, with Javante Williams, my concern is just he's he's not the he's not the biggest guy for him to be that much of a, of a, a pounder and a banger. And I don't know if durability is going to be an issue at the size that he's at. And again, he's just not as fast as the other guys. Um, You know, when it comes down to, you know, ETN or Harris, um, those guys are just much faster, um, in my opinion. Well, actually, not my opinion, by the 40. So, um, anything else as far as Javante Williams before we go to.
1: Just one quick thought, too. Watching film on him, uh, the way he is against the second line of defenders. You know, lot, you see a lot of guys, they get past the line and then a linebacker just takes him out. He's really good against linebackers and defensive backs. He's got a good spin move, good juke move, good hurdle. So I think something like that will kind of help him not get hit as much. Obviously, you're going to have stack boxes. You're going to have linebackers blitzing. You're going to have big, strong defensive linemen. But his ability to make things happen past the defensive line is another reason that I really like him. And that's, you know, another reason that I like him over a guy like Travis Etienne against a stacked box, ETN not physical enough, in my opinion, to just kind of plow through where Javante is going to put his head down, muscle his way through sneak past. I just, i and again, the lateral movement, you know, the reason I have him ahead of ETN. So just something that I wanted to bring up when I watch film. That I saw yeah, that. for sure. And he's a,
0: he's a good goal back too. So he has a nose for the end zone and he, he'll find a way to get it right. He doesn't always go through the guy. Um, He's got a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a wiggle to him. But he falls forward and moves the legs. Uh, he's definitely someone that you you know that you're gonna see get a lot of goal line touches.
2: You guys remember that game against Miami? There was that one like just freak long run that he had. Like everything you need to know about him, you know, getting into the second level and just killing it that that's that's the highlight you got to go you got to you got to pull that up on youtube you know if you haven't seen it before it's just like oh my god oh my god oh my god like that was the moment where i was like okay who's this dude Jesus yeah lord, that, oh my lord that was yeah he, he definitely
0: showed he's got he's got he does have you know the ability for the long ball so if you want a, a chuba hubbard it's going to be coming up in about two running backs so we're going to actually go through the next one which is kenneth gainwell what's up maddie big chest what's up donna mifflin Kenneth Gainwell, Mike, why do you hate Kenneth I hate,
1: Gainwell? I hate him so much. Apparently, I hate him more than anything. Um, so one thing that I do want to say about Kenneth Gainwell, just to bring it out there, reminder, he is one of the players that kept Antonio Gibson off the field when he was at Memphis. Yeah. So he did sit out all of last season. He was, you know, he opted out because of COVID. And that is not, just for the record, I do not hold opt-outs. Because you want to keep your family or yourself safe. And I really try not to hold injuries against players too. Uh, major injuries like soft tissue stuff where you just need to learn how to stretch better. You know what I mean? like Stuff like that I will hold against you. He's really raw and he's really inconsistent. But he's really, really explosive. I don't think he's going to get the draft capital that we in the fantasy industry think he's going to get because of how raw he is. And at the end of the day, guess what? What an NFL team thinks about a player means more than what we think about a player because those are the teams that are drafting him, giving the guy a paycheck, and those are the guys that are putting him on the field. So draft capital isn't everything, but draft capital is something that we need to think about when we're looking at these players. Um, He gets hit, his legs stop. And I talked about that before. That is huge for me against a big knock against running backs. That is actually one of the concerns I have about Javante Williams as well. I meant to mention that before. Um, But the versatility will help him get on the field. One of my ideal landing spots for him, You're all going to hate this. It's actually Carolina. I think he would be a good 1B to Christian McCaffrey if they wanted to kind of lighten his load a little bit. And with how explosive he is, 10 touches a game could make him a low-end running back too. No one's going to want to hear that. But the reality is not everybody's a running back one. There's 12 of them. That's it. So, well, I think he's good. There's there's some things um, that I don't like about him. You know, that that puts other guys ahead of him, and and those are it. And, uh, you know, he's not a fundamentally sound running back either. Again, really raw, really inconsistent. Only two years in college, and he had the third year as an opt-out, and that was 18 games. So that's a very small, small, you know, collegiate sample size. That's it.
2: Herms, let's talk about Kenneth Gainwell. Ah, that's my dude. I have him above Javante Williams in my rankings, and you know, I I think at least for me, the tier is like Harris, Etn. Then there's like a small drop or whatever. I know some people have Javante in there. I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to throw that out there just for the sake of context of what's going on in my brain. Uh, Gainwell, I absolutely adore him because this is a guy that. I feel like if he wanted to just be a full-time slot receiver, he could do it successfully. But he's also a pretty good running back, too. So when you add those two things together, it's just like, well, you know, like, do I believe he will be, like, a dominant, like, lead back that's going to end up getting, you know, like, over 20 touches a game or something like that, you know, on a consistent basis? Probably not. I mean, he will be deployed more in the passing game. I mean, like because I know PFF has his uh, NFL comp as Theo Riddick and I'm just like, okay, like I see where they're coming from, but I do believe I like Gainwell a little bit more than that because, you know, he really runs low and just like a bowling ball. He gets through those spaces, you know, he's not super powerful, but you know, he's, able to be compact with steady hands. Cause only like three drops on 60 catchable balls that he's had in his college career. Like it's very, very like steady handed. I look for that when I, you know, look at these types of running. Cause I play PPR. That's all I play full point PPR. I like these guys that are going to be like, okay, so you're just going to catch me like six, seven balls a week. And you know, like if one busts out, you know, I'm going to end up with like a cool 12 to 15 points easy. And then whatever you do on top of that running, Cool. I absolutely adore that. And that's why, you know, he's he kept Antonio Gibson off the field. You know, we say it all the time, all the time. But, like, hey, for as much as we all like Antonio Gibson, what does that say about Kenneth Gainwell? I mean, just, oh, my
0: Lord, this dude. So let's talk about the comparison with Antonio Gibson. Just for everyone, if you see them in a jersey next to each other, you think, okay, it's it's that Spider-Man gif. No, it's not. Antonio Gibson's about 25 pounds heavier so Kenneth Gainwell 5'11, 201. He's a little faster than Antonio Gibson, but he's not the same size as Antonio Gibson. I know that people they 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 think he's like a 200 pounds you know, back cuz he was a receiver. Now he's 225. So that's why he converted to running back um and with, you know, with Gibson, you know, he he's obviously showed, you know, a lot of people, you know, including myself, who thought, you know, hey, this guy's not going to be able to translate to the NFL. He did. And Gainwell could be that next Memphis running back. Um, Right now he's got a third round projection. I could see him going to the second round if somebody wants to go get him. But currently on NFL Mock Draft Database, he is projected to go to the third round. So if you do see some of these teams, you know, whether it's the Jets, whether it's the Cardinals, whether it's the Bills, teams that we project, Miami, we project all them to go get a running back. Well, there's only so many running backs on the board. So if a couple guys go get a running back, And let's say some random team that we didn't expect, like Carolina goes and gets one. Now you're looking at, you know, okay, Kenneth Gainwell is going to go in, you know, he's, he might go to the second round and he might be that guy that goes to um, the Cardinals. And I think he would, he would explode in that offense, him and chase Edmonds. And then another thing that Mike alluded to and, and Dale Jeremiah talks about this, you know, in the past, everyone wanted that thunder and lightning. So you got that, you know, you got the pounder and you got the, you know, the lightning guy, people just want good running backs. So you might see two guys that are the same size to do the same thing. The offense doesn't change. And in these fast paced offenses, that's what you want. They just swap one in, swap one out. And they, you know, it's very interchangeable and you're going to see that a lot. Like people just want good running backs. They don't have to have a big guy and a little guy. So um, I want to pick up the pace a little bit and let's go with our next guy. And we're back to North Carolina. And we're gonna go, Michael Carter. So, Mike, obviously, you you just you, Mike's got a type, and I think you know one thing I want to talk about. We talked about before the show. I like the consistency. Whether whether you agree with with Herms or whether you agree with Mike, it does But they're both very consistent. Uh, you know, Herms really likes the 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 quicker, the smaller, the PPR guys, and Mike really likes your more traditional running backs. And uh, and here's a perfect example. The last two the last two picks are perfect examples. So, uh, Mike, why do you hate Michael
1: Carter so much? I actually don't hate Michael Carter, but this is one of those things where, you know, I do have to think about draft capital, too. Like I said before, it's not everything, but it is something a little bit smaller than Javante Williams. However, he plays extremely tough for his size. Now, when I when we did the breakdowns, I did it before pro days and anything like that. So I have him at five eight one ninety nine. Um, I haven't gone back and edited that, so it could be a lot different. Um, Smooth runner and a very, very natural receiver. Love the way he catches the ball. It doesn't look forced like it does with Travis Etienne. Um, The vision and patience is great, too. Um, His pass pro is good. He's not overly elusive, but he's effective enough with how elusive he can be. And he's a one-cut runner. So I do like one-cut runners, guys that aren't back there dancing around forever, because that works in college, right, when the guys that – playing against are going to be accountants or a mechanic like me and there's nothing wrong with doing that for a job but not everybody makes it to the nfl so you know i like him i don't think he's going to be a three down back um my comp to him probably a little more like austin eckler in the um in the nfl and again nothing wrong with that but i'm more of the guy that will take a melvin gordon to the austin eckler the guy that you know when you're on there two to one on the field Two is better than one, right? So you have more chances. Generally, that's how I do it. And maybe, you know, Herms might have a point with these PPR guys. Maybe I need to reevaluate how I think. It's always good to reevaluate your processes as well.
0: And, and how this guy carries his weight is, is just like Austin Eckler. Like we just talked about Kenneth Gainwell's 5'11", 201. He's 5'7", 201. He is shredded. He is. He's just like Austin Eckler. He's just a, a, he's just a, a muscle. So, um, so Herms, you obviously uh, are higher on Michael Carter. Tell us why.
2: Uh oh, I absolutely adore Michael Carter. Just because, I mean, for a guy that small, he plays considerably larger than he is. And I think we saw a good bit of that even at the Senior Bowl. You know, there were a couple plays there where it was just like, "Wow, wait, he's he's how tall?" And he's doing all of that. I mean, like the motor that he has, and you know. Because, you know, like Mike was saying about, you know, the people that like to dance around a little bit, like Michael Carter's footwork, I mean, he's got those DDR feet, you know what I mean? He's just like, you know, like he can process that and make those decisions very quickly and just go. And he, I don't know, man, like I just, oh God, he's like, kind of like I was saying before, you know, just like those guys that are just, they're bowling balls. They're just like, you know, once, once you roll them down, they're just like, you know, Whatever pins in front of them, they're going to do their damn just to knock him down. And, like, Michael Carter, I just I adore just the motor and the fact that he's just like, I don't care that I'm 5'7". I'm just going to get – I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. And he, just, he kills it. He absolutely kills it. He's not, like, a supernatural receiver like was said before, but, like, he's capable of doing that. And, you know, I think depending on where he lands, I mean, like, I've heard rumors of maybe my Pittsburgh Steelers being interested in a guy like that. I don't know,
1: man. I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. <laughs> That's a great spot for him, honestly.
0: Yeah, so uh, shout-out uh, Munder Difflin. Uh, Aaron Jones, only 5'9". I mean, there's definitely running backs that are in that 5'7", five, 5'8", five, range um, that do that do well. Um, so I just want to, you know, NFL Mock Draft Database, great great friend of the show, Denny. Um, so I, I love how they the consensus, you know, one opinion is one opinion, but you get the consensus together. Najee Harris is the number one as far as consensus. Travis Etienne is the number two. He's the 30, 33rd player off the board. His peak was 24. Javante Williams is the 49th. His peak was 44. Then you're going to see the dip. Coming in at 78, Michael Carter. So Michael Carter is the fourth player coming off the board. Kenneth Gainwell, He's he's been dropping, but he's he, he just dropped behind, behind Michael Carter. He's at 87. And the next guy is Trey Sermon. And then a guy that's coming up the board is Demetric Felton and then Shuba Hubbard, then Ramondre Stevenson. But there's a big dip after Shuba Hubbard at 128, Ramondre Stevenson's at 145, and then Jamar Jefferson at 164. So, again, it's nflmockdraftdatabase.com friend of the show, great, great tool, and, and the data is always changing. And we've seen a lot of that data change since the pro days and since free agency. But um, it has consensus boards. You can look at every position, whether it's – you want to look at – let's see if it's even got it. It's even got kickers. Um, But it's got everything from linemen, defense, you know, to all your skill players. So I like to see that as far as what the consensus is thinking about it. And um, so I thought that was interesting to see. And Michael Carter's riser, Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell, is someone that's dropping down boards. So we had a request from Maddie Daddy for Chuba Hubbard. So Chuba Hubbard is going to be a very – he's a very all over the board player for us. So I have him at eight. Herm's does not even have him in his top ten. Michael has at four. Wow. So he is the the most hyperbolic player on the I board. Like somebody. <laughs> and and there Chuba Hubbard had a, he had his pro day this week, and he you know he definitely showed off his speed. He has he has some of the best speed in this class. And he's he's similar size to a Travis ETN. Um, he's not as small as some of the guys we just mentioned, but he's not as big as you know the guy we're gonna bring up next, Trey Sermon. So, Mike, you're the you're the you're the highest. Let's tell let's tell us why you love Chub Hubbard.
1: So this is kind of not like my other guys. I feel like he could be more physical for his size. I will say that there are times where I just see him just get stood up by a linebacker who should be playing like d3 football somewhere it's like come on dude you know what i mean you're you're a football player come on man up. um he will easily break arm tackles i like his patience i like his vision uh we all remember justice hill when he was a thing coming out he did split time with justice Hill, so he took a little bit of time away from a guy that a lot of people were high on uh wish gus edwards would leave so justice hill could do anything killing me Um, he's going to need to put on weight i will say that and he's not that great after initial contact but i do like the breakaway speed and division and patience are what i kind of like him a little bit better than travis etm but i'm putting where my projected draft capital into my rankings so if it was just who do i like better it would go Chuba over Etn, but again, like I said, draft capital is not everything, but it is something. So, um, his receiving game doesn't run routes, it appears to be only screens or just like check downs and stuff like that. I think he's going to be a little landing spot dependent. Again, I gotta keep going back to Atlanta and Arizona, but I think those are two places that he would fit well. Also, don't, don't you know, count out the Seahawks as like a dark horse candidate to pick up yeah. one of these guys late and making them fantasy viable because we've seen it happen years, yeah. Before.
0: Look at the teams that have running backs on, you know, expiring contracts next year as, you know, teams when you're looking at this, you know, when you're looking at obvious spots, it's there. It's pretty easy to see. But what some people aren't looking at is, you know, when you got guys that are on these, con, like, even if it's this, you know, a, a split backfield, like you had the Jamal Williams situation, they went and picked up AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams leaves in free agency, AJ Dillon just fills right in. So you can see those kind of situations for some of these guys that when we get lower down the board, because, you know, like we said earlier, Chuba is not one of the top five running backs consistently going off the board as far as the consensus. Um, but he is right there in that six, seven, eight range. Um, so this is a Goldilocks situation. You're high on him. Herms, you're low on him. Why?
2: Oh my gosh. Well, you know, this is one of those situations where, you know, like, I, I like the player just fine, you know, and he's one of those he's one of those cake guys, you know, he's going the distance, he's going for speed, you know, like that's just that that's what he does. And he's very, 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 very good at that. But the stark contrast between like 2019 and 2020 is putting me in a position where I we'll just freely admit, I don't know what to think. So me not having him in that group of 10 guys is not necessarily a case of me being like, oh, well, super Hubbard just sucks. I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just to be honest and admit when you don't know what to do. So, you know, rather than sitting here and being like, oh, well, this is my carefully crafted argument as to why he is outside of my top 10. It's just like, it doesn't exist. I really don't know. I could, you know, he could be well without the top 10, I mean, outside the top 10, and it would make sense. Or he could end up being among the more, you know, effective dudes in this group. And, you know, either situation is incredibly plausible to me. So yeah. rather than taking on the task of trying to figure it out, I'm throwing my hands up. I don't know. I don't as, know.
0: As we get through six <laughs> through 10, I mean, it can, you know, it can be a mixed bag. And then you're also going to see it all change on draft day. When one guy goes in the third round, the other guy goes in the sixth round and, you know, draft capital is huge when it comes to these players and, you with Chuba Hubbard, you know, you alluded to Angelo earlier. I, I had Matt Hicks and Angelo on the show together. And that was just like I was just taking notes. Um, it was a really fun episode. And Chuba Hubbard, he has all the traits to be an elite running back. And with all the traits that he has, he should be in the top four. He is, he's got the build, he's got the speed, and he's got the traits. And, and with what he has as far as a six foot two ten, he he could stand to put on a couple more pounds. And, and he can keep the speed because he's got so much speed to burn, but he's got terrible vision. And that's where I have – that's why I'm – you know, we got two – maybe maybe too high, maybe too low, maybe I'm right, I don't know. But I'm in the middle of you guys, and, and that's why. It's the vision, and it's just, you know, the inconsistency with it. When you see him go and hit the hole and, and outrun the linebackers and the safeties, you're like, holy shit. And then you go and see him run straight into a linebacker. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? So for me, that was the inconsistencies. And that's why I had him a little bit lower. But I do think his upside is probably higher than some of the guys that we just talked about because of the physical traits and the size. So let's keep going. And now let's get to a guy that really elevated his stock during the uh, college football championship. I don't think a lot of people had Trey Sermon in their top five, top six now they do, and I'm one of them. So Trey Sermon, we talked earlier about a low floor, I mean, a high floor. Um, I think Trey Sermon has a high floor. I think he is, you know, if you're looking for a big back, you're looking for a bruiser, and you're looking for someone, you know, he could be a perfect guy to go right behind Chris Carson, and and, and just Chris Carson's in, Trey Sermon's in, you don't really see a huge difference. And um, I, I do think he's 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 got good vision. He sets up blockers, and he sets up his defenders really well. And he just – people don't want to tackle this guy when it comes to the second half of the game. Um, and, and I just – I really, really am a big fan of Trey Sermon, um, and I think he's, he's going to be drafted higher than I think people think.
1: Hmm. You guys were
0: tied, so.
1: Herms, why don't you uh, kick this shit off? I'm trying to formulate how I want to – I got you. Argument lack of love. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, Trey Sermon is a dude, to me, like, I look at a lot of running backs on film, and I see a lot of, uh, I, li- I like to call them Frankenstein running backs, where it's just like, you know, very upright, uh, you know, kind of like, I don't, I don't really like that too much, you know, because like, if you're running super straight the entire time, like, you need to know when to kind of duck down and do all that stuff, you know, like, and that's not like a huge knock on him, but at the same time, you know, because like, his center of gravity is very good, but you know, I, I watch him and I'm just like, that reminds me a lot of PJ Yeldon, which is fine. He's fine. I think, you know, like it, Nothing particularly remarkable pops off to me, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either because there was a time in the NFL when TJ Yeldon was a viable running back to have as part of a committee. Now, I mean, Trey Sermon doesn't really do a whole, whole lot in the passing game, but, like, I don't know, man. Like, he's good, and I like a good running back. You know, not really good, not great, but just good, you know, like... I don't know. I I like him. I'm not enthralled. I'm not about to, you know, like that's my dude. I'm not gonna, you know, hitch my wagon there. But I don't know. There's just like nothing particularly stands out. He's just he's he's pretty good. I like him. Just generally fine.
1: Yeah, he's good. And you know, what I will say is, uh, I kind of fell asleep watching Trey Sermon film. He doesn't do anything great. You know, he's 215 is what I have written down. You're like nobody wants to tackle this guy late in the game, but Herm's makes a great point. He stands straight up. I'm six foot two oh eight, and I played middle linebacker when I was younger. I'll lay some lumber on Trey Sermon with a smile on my face. When the going got tough towards the end of the game, I just I pushed through and I hit harder because I played organized football for four years, and in that time, uh, we won three games. So I had no problem. Yeah, and we were a bad team. So I did a lot of tackling because our defense was always on the field. But I had no problem doing it whatsoever. He does stand straight up like a Frankenstein. And when I was watching Justin Fields' film, I think it was a game against Clemson, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I saw passes just bounce off this dude's hands. Like He's not a natural receiver. He does not look good to me. He's a guy that I think, and keeping in, the, in mind here why he's ranked so low, I think he's going to be a better NFL player than better fantasy player. And people hate when I say that. But it's something that we have to think into. If I'm I'm an Eagles fan, sorry, don't hate me. I would love if he was a Philadelphia Eagle by Miles Sanders to grind yeah. at the end of the game. That would be fantastic. I would hate that for fantasy. Seriously. Now, if he was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers to be the running back one, I'm going to pay attention because I think he would be good in that system. Although my ideal foot is Najee Pittsburgh. Don't know if it's going to happen. Oh, please, it? yeah. So <laughs> have, you got some dad life going on over there. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. Like, uh, luckily, it's nap time. So um, it's not that I don't like Trey Sermon as a player. I don't like him as a fantasy prospect. That's it.
0: So um, a very popular guy that you know. I even saw uh, Matt Hicks talk about yesterday. Um, you know, this guy is, is someone that people people really. Like, it's there's not a lot of hate for this guy. It's just, there's EU either, you know, most people just like him. They don't necessarily love him, but I could see him moving up boards. And, and like I said, as far as the consensus mock draft database, he's starting to move up boards. Um, so we had him, we want to make sure that we put him in our top 10 or Herms and I, um, but you put him in your top five, Mike. So let's talk about uh, Kylan Hill.
1: Yeah. So he was actually my number three running back at one point in time. That was before I scouted the entire class, which I tried to explain to people Not that anybody wants to listen when you're trying to explain yourself. That just means I hate everybody else. He can do everything really, really well. He doesn't do anything exceptionally well, but he does everything good enough. To get on the field for three downs and him coming back and playing for like six games for Mike Leach in the air raid offense shows that he can be a capable receiver at the next level. He's got good size. I didn't flip to the page that has him on it. 5'11, uh, 2'30 is what he came in at what, when I saw him measured. His pro day could have changed that, so I could be wrong. He's good in the open field. He was always a victim of poor offensive line play and bad quarterback play at Mississippi State. He doesn't go down easy great footwork, good acceleration, runs between the tackles. Well, he's just a strong dude, just a strong dude. And also, you know, from a, a personal thing, he actually led the charge to, to get the state of Mississippi to remove the Confederate flag from their state flag, which I think is fantastic. So that's just – that was something cool. I know that doesn't play into fantasy whatsoever. I just think it's really now, cool. Th-
0: there's there's a couple cool stories. I forgot the Najee Harris one earlier. Like his flight got canceled, so he drove 10 hours – to go to mm-hmm. the Alabama Pro Day, just to support his guys. He wasn't even going to yeah. work out. And then Trey Sermon, there's a video of Trey Sermon taking some of the confetti from, you know, the uh, the playoff game where they, they won. He's taking confetti, and he's putting it in his cleats and putting it in his sock, and people are like, okay, he's just keeping it for, like, his own self. No, like, he had a, a best friend, a college or a high school teammate that died, and he was taking it to go put it on, you know, put it on his grave. So... <sighs> Um, some of these guys, yeah, you know, like some of these stories don't get out there that much, but, um, you know, that's cool that, you know, that's definitely cool. So, um, to go for completely like a sentimental moment to, uh, to, you know, we got a comment that, uh, Harms, you gotta, you gotta speak to, <laughs> to, to Munder
2: Dipplin right now. Oh man. Like. I, I just, I don't know. I will admit when I don't know something like if Chuba Hubbard is closer to 2019 Chuba Hubbard than 2020 Chuba Hubbard, then it's like, yeah, I'm going to look like a doofus with egg on his face. I would rather look like a doofus with egg on his face than aggressively claim something one way or the other with incomplete information in my own brain. That's just, you know, that's where I'm like, but Hey, as far as like, I love, like he has a great sounding name and shout out Canada. So, you know, Canada, you know, not super represented in the NFL, you know. So, So you know what, I'm here for it. (laughs) I wish I could
0: show you guys the graph that I'm looking at, but Kylan Hill was being drafted right in in like the 80s whenever, you know, whenever it was January 5th. And then now he's almost off the grid and he's in like the 200s as far as the consensus mock draft database. Um, And he's being projected to be a sixth round pick as of now. So again, this information can change. There is old information that will sometimes weigh, weigh it down. Um, But it's something to consider again, when we're talking about these guys and we're talking about draft capital, there's some guys that we might like that other guys just, they don't like. Um, And the people that matter are the decision makers. So I want to get hyped about this class. So people are comparing it to 2020 class too much. This class is nowhere near as talented Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite exercises to do is, you know, when when some of these evaluators put out their grades, comparing them to other grades, and I don't have it offhand, but I had, um, you know, I had the quarterbacks all stacked up as far as like what Draft Scout Inc. from Todd McShay had. And I was really surprised how high they had Jordan Love. But comparing the last two classes together. And when you can look at guys that had like Matt Miller or Daniel Jeremiah, when they, when they're talking about these, these players. So like, if you were to look at Najee Harris, where would he rank in the 2020 class? That's a great question. And I, I haven't thought about it. So I don't want to throw out a stupid answer right now. You got him at three or four. Yeah. But when you look at guys like Kenneth game, well, Michael, Michael Carter, they might be down towards like 10.
2: It, it's tricky, man. It really is. And that's something that I've really tried to do, especially with this class, is try and compare them against last year's and to also try and compare them a little bit against next year's, because next year is going to be a year, just based off of my early research that I've done, I am a lot more excited about than I am about this one. So, like, being able to look at things, like, in, you know, some sort of an aggregate like that is vitally important to be because you, you don't want to end up in a position where you're just like, oh, well, this dude's, like, the third best in this year's class, so it's just like, that means in any other year, he'd just be the third best. It's like, nah, everything yeah. is relative. So, you but, know, you got you to gotta get, you know, well, creative with it, because in Dynasty... When- Let's remember when Devontae
0: Booker was the third running back, you know, ranked in his class by the consensus. So, um, all right, it's a great point. Thanks for bringing that up, Matt. Um, we're going to go to our next next guy, and that is Dimitri Felton. So this is another guy that is, uh, you know, he's wide receiver, you know, half wide receiver, half running back. And um, I can see the PPR guys, myself and Herms, getting a little excited about him. And, you know, Mike didn't have him ranked. Um, And, you know, when I say that, you know, hey, Mike or hey, Herms, why do you hate this guy? Of course, I'm completely joking, Um, just kind of poking shots at all the Twitter folks out there Um, because you can't put a post out there with the rankings without someone saying, well, why is this guy five and not six? Or why is this guy six and not five? You must hate him. Well, obviously, Dimitri Felton's
1: not in your top 10.
0: Mike, can you let us know why?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to find where the heck I wrote him down. So I'm just going to go off memory. Yeah, and um, that's also why I don't publish my rankings on Twitter because I don't have time to argue with people on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I tell people, hey, uh, when people are like, yeah, well, here's your time to shine, I'm like, here's the episode I talked to, to about. If you want to listen to it, go ahead. And then if you don't like it, DM me and we'll talk. Um, I like Dimitri Felton. I actually do. I just don't know if he's a running back. And that's why I didn't rank him on a running back list. To me, he projects more like Curtis Samuel. In the NFL where um, you give him end arounds, you get him in open in the open field, line him up in the backfield, and be creative with it. That's why I think an ideal landing spot would be Carolina. He could be a really, really effective and cheap Curtis Samuel replacement because I don't know if the draft capital is necessarily going to be there. And we talk about draft capital. Let's let's not forget we scout skill positions, fantasy football. We don't scout tackles, defensive backs, linebackers, punters, and kickers. We don't scout them. Linda might scout punters and kickers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. These guys are going to screw up draft capital for our skill position. So I like him. I just don't know what he is. And I don't know if he's necessarily going to get the touches in the NFL to be as effective as we think he can be.
2: Herms, you got him at eight. Oh, he is my guy. I love Dimitri Felton so much. Oh, gosh. When I was going through my process early on, I was just, like, ugh, watching this dude, like, ah, I love the Go-Go Gadget guys that can just, you know, they, they can do so many different things. He's a jackknife, baby. Like, he can just, oh, my God. it's a, You know, and, hey, like, special teams acumen, also something that means a lot to me when it comes to, you know, incoming prospects. If you're trusted in special teams, that does say something about you. Because, you know, there are three phases of the game. You know, everybody likes to forget that third one because we don't really deal with it for fantasy. But, like, the coaches really care about that. And... You know, yeah, God, you know, even at the senior role, doing the drills as a wide receiver, if he ends up being a wide receiver, then I'll have him as one of my favorite wide receiver prospects. I don't care what position he plays, because if he goes to the right offense, then that's the major caveat with this entire thing. If he goes somewhere that does very traditional, rudimentary football, he's just going to get buried on some depth chart and it's going to be very uninspiring. But if he finds himself in a creative location, Oh, my Lord, Demetric Felton is a guy built for the modern NFL, and I am so here for the upside. I absolutely adore him. I could talk about him for five hours.
0: So I, I, I kept alluding to this, and I probably should have showed you guys. So, again, this is this is kind of the opposite of the uh, Kylan Hill. So he was someone that was not even – he was 226 in January, and then you started seeing like the senior bowl. And he's just been pretty consistent, so he's being cur- currently being projected to go in the fourth round, right here. And he's been as high as seventy-eight. Currently, he's one twenty-three. I believe I said that he was the fifth or sixth running back off the board. Um, so when we look at the uh, you know the cons- this thing's got everything, but when you look at the consensus big board for this. He's he's the fifth or sixth running back currently going off the board as far as consensus mocks. Actually, I had sixth or seventh. Um so he's he's flying up. But I like what Mike said, you don't really know what he is as far as a, you know a, a running back or a, or a receiver and he could be end up being a gadget guy. And and for some people like James White or guys like that, it's fine. You know, um just it, it's not someone you're going to draft in the third or fourth round of your league. But in those PPR formats, if you're someone, if you get somebody like that in the seventh, eighth, ninth round, so in your rookie drafts in the third round, Dimitri Felton, as far as your rookie drafts, you're probably not drafting him high enough. Um, I think he's going to be a weapon that people use. And currently, he's being projected to be the fourth round. We'll see. Could be anywhere from the third round to the sixth round for him. Uh, let's go to the next guy, Khalil Herbert. So I had him at 10. Herms had him at six. Mike had him at eight. Harms, you
2: can start us off. Oh, man. Yeah. This is a dude, like, I I appreciate his form a lot because he really gets down and just goes for it. And that's something, because, like, I was talking about earlier with a lot of the Frankenstein runners, that's something that terrifies me because if you're running straight up and doing that all the time, it's really easy to cut you down, you know? And that's, like, low-key, something I'm a little concerned about with Najee Harris at times, but he's also, like, just a complete, like, physical Marvel out there. So like to a lesser degree, him, but some of these other guys, you know, it's like, i really like guys that know how to get low, do that stuff and just run through. And, you know, like he doesn't have the home run ability of someone like a Travis ETM, but he does possess that to a certain degree. And also keep in mind what I was just saying about special teams. You know, if you're trusted with special teams, you will be trusted in, you know, two phases of the game. And that means a lot to coaching staffs. Khalil Herbert, another guy trusted in the special teams part of football. Like, I don't know. There's nothing particularly remarkable, but he's just like, I don't know if he gets himself into a situation where he can find himself as like a leader of like a lower end committee in the league. Like there's sneaky value to be had there. Like, I don't think of him much as a receiver at all, but just as a runner, he gets low. He does it. He barrels through. He's pretty quick, and I'm just I I think he is a very very solid football player.
0: Yeah, he comes in at 5'8". He's two ten. Runs a four four six. So he's a little shorter and a little faster than than a lot of a lot of these guys at that weight. um is not huge, but considering a lot of these guys that we've talked about are you know two hundred pounds soaking wet. He's he's a little bit bigger. And uh, like you said, he makes up for his his size a little bit by running so low. He, he's definitely a guy that had great, great contact balance and great pad level. Um, and with that, that four, four, six burst, if he finds a hole, he's he's a one cut runner. and He's gone.
1: So to me, with his size and he's a little bit of thicker, a little bit thicker than my conforms, Philip Lindsay. I see a lot of his game in there. He's just a good running back, like Herm said. You know, I do have a concern, too, with these Frankenstein running backs, like you said, too, just standing straight up. Like, would you want to be a little aerodynamic? Put your head down, try to knock him. Exactly. <laughs> like, they, when I played football, they always said, don't run standing straight up. Do not do that. You're going to get your clock cleaned. And I, I made it nicer than what they actually said. But, you know, like <laughs> said, he's just a really good running back. He's not a receiving back. Let's let's just put that out there. He's a guy yeah. that can catch the football, but he's not a receiving back. He's like a screen and checkdown guy. And actually, my ideal landing spot for him would be uh, Denver. You know, he he's someone that there's a team that needs maybe a quarterback, maybe some stuff here and there. If Melvin Gordon gets hurt, I think he could come in and be productive enough to be startable on your roster as a rookie, and not just in dynasty, but in redraft too. He might be even a streamer. It could be like a low end running back, two high end running back, three some weeks. You never know. Good in open field. I don't know if he's a, a first and second down guy or a three down back. That has yet to be seen. Quick feet, too. They never stop moving. You guys know yeah, that.
0: Yeah, and so running backs, you know, they're the draft capital with running backs, let's remember there's not a lot of first-round running backs, but there's a whole lot of second and third-round running backs. Um, but with, you know, the way that the NFL, you know, views running back positions, guys that go in the fifth, sixth round, they're not throwaway pieces. A lot of these are really good players. And, um, you know, he's someone who's currently being projected to be in the fifth round and he's, he's probably would be a lot higher if he was a receiver or if he was a, you know, a quarterback, but they don't value that position. So that's why it's down. Um, but a fifth rounder, you know, these teams that have other needs, other pressing needs are going to find a, a gem on day three, uh, when they go and get Killa Herbert. And I'm the lowest on, I'm talking real nice about him. Um, but those, those six to 10 guys, honestly, it's a cluster and I'm just waiting for the draft to just break it up and reshuffle it for me. Um, and then we'll go with the next, the next group, the next guy, which is reminder Stevenson. You're the only one that had him ranked term. So, uh, let us know why we are, are are stupid for not having him in our top 10.
2: Oh man. Uh, as time has gone along, I have figured out that I am very much alone in dying on this hill. Um, I don't know, like, in my notes, I have him put down as a uh, competent tap-dancing version of Peyton Barber, which is a dying breed in the NFL, but, I mean, like, for a dude that big, he's got some pretty good feet, he can move around and do some stuff, and it's like, you know, I get he's not the type of player we look for, but like I said, a competent Peyton Barber, you know what I mean? Like, there were times... When Peyton Barber was okay and usable, imagine what it would be like if he were, like, consistent and, like, understood how to, like, not run into brick walls. I think Ramondre Stevenson is better at not doing that. Like, I don't know. I mean, I could see, like, you know, and, like, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm here for it. You
0: know, he's good. Listen, we can talk trash about, you know, the Peyton Barbers and the Jordan Howards and the Carlos Hydes all day. But at the end of the day, they're they're still being signed to NFL rosters. And this is a guy that's very much like those. He's not gonna be someone that you're you're he's not gonna go in and be a starter right away. He's not gonna be your um, you know, but he's gonna be a complimentary piece in some backfield. And, you know, if he goes to the right spot and, and gets the opportunities, he definitely could do something. It's just uh, for me. I don't see the upside there. Even if he got the opportunities, I just, again, I think this, for me, this is where I'm with Mike on the, might be a better football player than he is a fantasy football player.
1: Yeah, he, he's LeGarrette Blount. Just yes. Sir. At and which is fine. You have, I
0: I mean, love if he gets 18 Blount. touchdowns, he's fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, exactly. I love, <laughs> I love the dude. I love LeGarrette Blunt. I'm an Eagles fan. So watching them win the Super Bowl, he was the lead back that year. But um, he, to me, he has a size for an NFL workload, but I think he's really going to be touchdown dependent in the NFL and he doesn't, he can catch the ball, but again, he can catch the ball. He is not a receiving back, but I mean, you guys, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's going to be better for, for the NFL than fantasy. That's it. So I'm probably going to be hands off. I might, if I could get him undrafted and stash him on a few taxi squads, I would do that, but I'm not going to overdraft Ramon J Stevenson at all.
0: So I just want to go through what I was talking about before. Um, so when you look at the where the running backs are falling in line as far as consensus, I just like how you can visually see the teardrops. So you can see it right here. There's you know, these guys are relatively first rounders, second rounder, third rounder. Um, and again, this is an average. So this is not you know where they can go. You can see the peak where they're at or where they've been at. Sermon is somebody that you know he's rising Dimitrich Felton here. Um, Chuba Hubbard, Ramondre Stevenson, again, there's a big teardrop. Um, and then guys we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about Jamar Jefferson, Jarrett Patterson, um, Puka Williams. Um, we did have Mike Adam him in his top 10. Um, Chris Evans is a guy that I've seen people like a lot. He's just, yeah, that Michigan offense, they just don't really produce anybody, but he was a guy that if he got more carries, I do think he would be higher on the boards. So he just did not get a lot of carries. Nico and then they wanted to go, they wanted to go younger.
1: Sorry, I'm just a huge Nico Collins fan. I wanted to throw that out there. I dig that. I dig
0: that. So, all right. So um, we've got through everything. We're not going to do the the rookie draft because we're right about at an hour. Um, But I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, I'm all about doing it. We can do a live rookie draft on Twitter sometime. Um, Thanks for coming on, guys. You guys were fantastic. Just before we go, can you please let us know again where to find you?
1: Yeah, I'll kick it off here. You can find me on Twitter at Rewind CEO. Check out everything I do with the Dynast Rewind. Hit up our YouTube channel, Mock Drafts, every Monday. And I'm doing a one-on-one series every Friday night that comes out at 9 o'clock. It's pre-recorded. So, uh, so far, we've had Andy Holloway, Bob Lung, and Troy King for our first three guests. And it's good. It's just me and a guest just talking, chatting about not necessarily fantasy. It's basically just about the guest that's on. Good time. So check it out. Great.
2: Harms? You can find me on Twitter at Herms NFL. You can find my work. Uh, one of my shows that I do show with no name with my pal Jesse. Uh, we go live at 3 p.m. So yeah, I'm doing three shows today. This is number one. I got number two coming up very soon. So definitely check that out. We're going to be going over some early uh, ADP data and, you know, juxtaposing that against some, you know, best ball data and just like trying to find some, you know, weird little nuggets and morsels of fun to look at in terms of finding value and stuff that's a lot of what we do over at the lateral we're just like we're nerds and we're gonna nerd out and we're gonna try and deliver things based off of like data and logic and also being a goofball which is very very important to me because i am a huge goofball i'm a cartoon character um I will also be recording my show in Herm's terms, appearing on the 14 personnel YouTube channel today. That's a show where I just like to sit down and talk about football and not be like super pretentious about it. Because sometimes people like to sound super smart, you know, puff out their chest and be all like, look at me, dude. I'm just like, nah, dude, let's just talk about football. Let's just have fun. Let's do it. So that's what I'm going to be doing. And then Rum Boys, shout out all the time. Always. Rum Boys had Robbie on on Wednesday,
0: good, good, good buddies of the show and so to let you guys know a little bit about what we got going on um, on the 21st, I am going to be rolling out our mock draft. I got seven of the uh, seven of the greatest minds on Twitter. Du Bois uh, 22 is one of them as well. Um, so we're going to be going through uh, the, the first round, and we actually liked it so much so we did two rounds, but that will be a second show. And then something that I have not really said much about is we're going to do an open link drop-in for the NFL draft. So day one, day two anyone can come on. Um, Herms might be there, um, but you, you guys can just drop in, hang out, talk about the picks, talk about the fantasy implications. I got some giveaways going on. I got a few jerseys we're going to give away. I got uh, dynasty trade calculator is going to give away some monthly subscriptions. Um, I got a uh, symbol exchange is going to they're going to, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to give away, but they're a uh, sports uh, stock exchange. So you can buy stocks of real, um, real teams, but they're called, you know, SIM teams. Um. So it's going to be great. I got a lot of guys that are going to just pop on and just show. And like I said, it's going to be an open link. So hopefully no trolls show up. Um, but uh, hopefully everyone uh, comes in has a good time since we all can't be together for the draft. That sounds so fun.
2: Oh, geez. It's going to be
0: awesome. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks again. See you guys next week.